1887, a group of former slaves ventured into Mississippi swampland, beating back blizzards, mosquitoes, and wild animals to form what would become the first all-black town in America. Mound Bayou had its own government, hospital, schools, even a zoo. Like so many other small towns across America, Mound Bayou's population has dwindled over the past decades. We went to see what the town is like today. I'm Berlin Bow. I'm Rose Gilbert. Welcome to Jewel of the Delta. In the oldest all-black town in America, most residents have never had an issue with identity. Town pride and self-respect are two things cultivated from birth and have set up countless residents for future success. But this unique Mound Bayou factor is a double-edged sword. The same town that's so good at building individuals up has been in decline for decades as young people move to bigger towns and cities for more opportunities. Now, residents face a new challenge, how to sustain the historic town that made them who they are today. For the Jewel of the Delta series, Chissa Malogu has a story. I'm in Addie Campbell's home in Mount Bayou, Mississippi. It's actually more like a well-lived-in museum. Almost every inch of wall space features frames of family members or is covered in Mount Bayou memorabilia. Next to cushy couches and stacks of cassettes, you'll see albums with more photos and binders with town archives dating back to the 30s. She's the de facto town historian, and she takes her informal role seriously. I think it is so important uh, that the history of what happened in this town uh, be written, be passed on to future generations. Mount Bayou's remarkable origin story sets it apart from other small towns. Founded by former slaves in 1887, Mount Bayou faced countless challenges from the start, beginning with the very land where it was constructed. It was town founder I.T. Montgomery that pushed Mount Bayou's first settlers to keep going. He said, he said to them, you, why, why stagger at the difficulties that confront you? Haven't you hewn down forests and uh, cleared the way for other people for over 400 years? Town Mayor Eula Peterson emphasized the same idea. We came to a swamp. This was swamp land, uh, not cleared. Peterson is another informal historian. In the city hall where she works, she can go through and name each and every mayor, their dates of service, and more. This is I.T. Montgomery, who is a founder, the initiator of the idea. And it was a dream that he carried out for his father. And there's a whole history to be told about the, found, about the family before. Benjamin T. Green is the co-founder. Uh, he, was on, he was killed in 1895, so we'd only existed for, uh, what, eight years. Following her retirement a few years back, she returned to a town quite different than the one she left over two decades ago. She doesn't mind, though. She knows the legacy of her town and knows her duty. We have, um, I say, a history to uphold in the sense of being, you know, uh, out there telling it, uh, making people aware of it. Uh, I call it, and sometimes living up to it. Mount Bayou, Mississippi was a black mecca in its heyday, attracting the likes of Booker T. Washington and Fannie Lou Hamer. With facilities like the nation's first black bank, 
a full-service black hospital, and a thriving cotton gin, Mount Bayou was a haven where black Americans could escape prejudice and receive world-class service. Ursula Holmes remembers those days vividly. And I can still see the town in my head. Um, I can still see the train track running through town. I can still see um, Smitty's on the corner. You see, Smitty's is, is now boarded up. Um, I can still see Ms. Morgan's store. We had all these little general stores where you can go and get little things. Um, I can still see the swimming pool. Holmes is currently working as an attorney in Memphis, and the Vanderbilt Law School graduate is considered one of Mount Bayou's biggest successes. She doesn't consider herself an anomaly, though. I mean, you know, it's almost like it was in the DNA or it was in the water, you know, the brown water. <laughs> That's another story. Unlike Addie Campbell, a Mount Bayou mainstay, Holmes is part of a different generation of citizens, the ones who haven't been able to find their way back home yet. Enter the Mount Bayou factor. A lot of us went to big city colleges, you know, had that experience and decided that we wanted to live somewhere else. And we left the generation that educated us and raised us there to do it on their own, and they were, they're aging. Like many of her contemporaries, Holmes would like to come back to the town she loves so much someday, but she's concerned that there may not be much to come home to. Statistics back up Ms. Holmes' testimony. Following a highway bypass installation, revenue was cut for many of the towns in the area that were already struggling, including Mount Bayou. Other factors influencing the town's decline mirror those affecting many regions of rural America. For Holmes, it's frustrating. It's, it's just not the place I grew up in. It's not the place I grew up in. And the people are still there, okay? The love for the community is definitely still there. But this sense of how do we, how did we get here and how do we fix it? That is one of the most overwhelming things I've ever felt in my life. The story isn't over for Mount Bayou, though. Not if Holmes and countless other residents have anything to do with it. The town's history of defying the odds serve as a form of motivation, a reminder of what the town was and what it can be. It's about more than the economy, though. At the end of the day, Holmes is searching for a feeling in a community. She tells me the story of when she managed to wander across town at only three years old in pursuit of the local candy store. It was Addie Campbell's sister, Monica, that found her. And they got me where I needed to be. And this was pre-cell phones. <laughs> you know, none of this stuff existed then. That was 1975. Um, but it's one of my favorite stories to tell because it shows the village I grew up in and how everybody took part in making sure that the children were okay and that the people were okay. You know, that's the mound by you, I remember. For the Jewel of the Delta, I'm Chesame Logu. Special thanks to the Campbell family, Mary Peterson, and Ursula Holmes. You've been listening to Jewel of the Delta, a production of audio journalism class at Princeton University. The series reporters were Berlin Bow, Rose Gilbert, Jeffrey Scuffery, Katie Heinzer, Tristan Ologu, Idra Majenko Conley, Fumika Mizuno, Elizabeth Shoy, and Mallory Williamson. The series editor was Professor Joe Richmond. Thanks to the Princeton University Broadcast Center. Thanks to the Princeton Journalism Department, along with Margot Bresnan, Aaron Haynes, Brian Blunt, 
Thanks to the Delta Center for Culture and Learning. And special thanks to those who helped us understand and feel welcomed in Mound Bayou. Will Jacks, Aaliyah Wright, Kelsey Davis, Mayor Eula Peterson, Elaine Baker, and all the residents of the town of Mound Bayou. And thanks to Mound Bayou resident Charles Young for his song about growing up in Mound Bayou. This has been Jewel of the Delta.